Hello and welcome to Bondcast, a podcast series where we discuss our views on the latest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm Imogen Bakra, European Rate Strategist, and I'm joined today by our Global Rate Specialists, Giles Gale, Head of European Rate Strategy, Blake Gwynn, Head of US Rate Strategy, and Theo Chapsalis, Head of UK Rate Strategy. Hi everyone, welcome back to um, another Bondcast episode. This week, this week, particularly here in Europe, we've had a big week of supply, we've had an ECB meeting and an Italian political crisis to contend with. Um, we'll deep dive on our latest thoughts on that in a minute, but first let's get a quick stock take from all of you on your thoughts this week. Um, Blake, I'll start with you. It was a pretty big week. I guess, on the global stage for the US this week with a new president and without getting too political, um, I say very happily a new Madam Vice President as well. So what's your latest thoughts this week, Blake? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was it was obviously a big week on that front. I think, um, you, you know, that was more politically, personally for a lot of people. But from a market perspective, um, you know, it, it wasn't particularly impactful. Um, you know, we already have a pretty good idea of what Biden's early term fiscal economic priorities are going to be. Those have already been sketched out. So, um, you know, a lot of the, the flurry of executive orders we saw on his first day in office, um, you know, no, nothing that would really kind of push markets around. And to that point, I think after the big post uh, Georgia election sell off that we saw, uh, rates over the last week have kind of settled into a new equilibrium. We've had tens kind of trading in this 107, 112 uh, range for a week. So it, things have really kind of calmed down in the US side. I think. Um, looking forward, the big focuses are obviously going to be, um, you know, how, how the negotiations on this fiscal package start to take shape. Um, obviously, a big piece of that will be whether they try to do it in a bipartisan fashion through uh, uh, the regular process or whether they go to this kind of special reconciliation process, which would presumably allow Democrats to pass something without any help from Republicans. Um, that creates a pretty wide range of outcomes of where that could go. But but this is something that's going to take shape over the next week, uh, next few weeks. And, um, you know, we'll probably have a lot more to say about it later on. Uh, we've also got FOMC meeting coming up and uh, a refunding announcement uh, from Treasury coming in the next few weeks. Both of those I would expect to be fairly uneventful. Um, lastly, I would just say we did have Yellen uh, on the refunding front. We did have um, soon-to-be Secretary uh, Yellen talking uh, to Congress as part of her confirmation hearings. Uh, there was a little bit of focus from markets on some comments she made around 50s. I'm completely dismissing those. She was asked directly about 50-year issuance, um, and she was just kind of responding politically to that. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think there's really anything there uh, uh, kind of signaling that they're going to go back to this ultra-long bond discussion. So quite a few stories kind of developing over the next few weeks, but for now, it looks like we've settled into this uh, uh, period of calm for now. Okay, thanks, Blake. So, Giles, over to you. I, I did say that we'll use the second half of this podcast as a kind of deep dive into what's been going on in Europe this week. But if you could just give your high level elevator pitch of, of your latest thoughts, given everything that's gone on this week. Right. Well, I mean, I suppose, yes, um, I guess we would start with the ECB, but we'll get on to that. Um, I mean, overall, I think, you know, the, the real problem is that we don't know what to think about European rates. I mean, most of the time I've been you know, talking and thinking about uh, why it is that European rates just don't really seem to respond to to anything. So we can get into into that. But you know, I think that the, the real confusion is, um, you know, I guess, about why there are signs of you know, reflation sentiment picking up elsewhere, but uh, European rates just you know, trying to buck that trend or just ignore it. Um, 
And the other thing I suppose was in Italy where we had a nice round trip and BTPs on a little bit of a, a political, political scare. And um, I suppose that we would expect the, uh, the improvement uh, that we've seen since that was resolved or semi-resolved to continue. Okay, great, thank you. Uh, and somewhere where we did have um, a little bit of a pickup in inflation in the UK, Theo, um, what are your latest thoughts uh, on gilts nowadays? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely an interesting market. Uh, what we've seen is, uh, you know, a market where duration has been very easily absorbed. So we had the syndication this week and we have another link syndication in early February. So this is positive for gilt. Um, what is, however, interesting is and what makes me a bit concerned is uh, market expectations with regards to lower rates and the shape of the curve. So they extend to... Um, to, to, to which the gill curve is uh, fairly steep and at a low level. I think uh, two key points, and we'll discuss also more on that, is um, the, the BOE meeting in early February, which will provide color and either validate or really refute all those expectations on lower rates, and also the March budget. So in our view, there is a lot more need for fiscal policy to deliver and to help the UK economy rather than uh, monetary policy. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Theo. Um, so let's start with on our deep dive then, and, and we'll start with Europe, because like I said in the intro, I think it's been a, a pretty busy week here in Europe. Um, and so, Giles, we've had this political crisis, well, been going on for a couple of weeks now, but really kind of came to a head, I guess, this week in Italy. Uh, and BTP spreads, like you say, have, have done pretty much a round trip now. Um, do we think this is kind of the end of the political crisis? What are we watching out for from here? And, and do we think BTP spreads are going tighter from here or are they now as, as tight as we think that they can get? Yeah, so I think on, on Italy, the you know, our thinking really hasn't changed all that much. Um, you know, clearly there are some lingering risks, but um, you know, I think there are risks that we're fairly comfortable with from two regards. I mean, first of all, you know, yes, it's true that um, you know, we haven't completely um, got away from the possibility of uh, a new set of elections, possibly sometime late in Q2. But you know, the, the window for that to crystallize is probably only a few weeks long. The the timeline from there on would you know probably takes us all the way actually into 2023 for, for new elections and so you know we'll probably end up with just various configurations of the the current uh, parliament and but then in the background you have um a makeup which you know i mean although yes in the case of uh, of new elections you could see things swing towards the center right and you know, i think that you know, people are still sort of stuck in the 2018 mentality to a certain extent and think about that as potentially a swing towards Euroscepticism, but we don't see it like that. And I think the more that people think about it, they you know will come to the same conclusion. And really when it comes down to it in this environment where, um, you know, yes, of course, you know, there are questions about debt sustainability but you know, over the very long term. You know, I think those have largely been put to one side you know, and put to bed, if you like, by at least for the short term, right? by what the ECB has been doing and um, and also the uh, recovery fund uh, initiative, which you know, both encourages our 
confidence in in the strength of recovery, which is of course you know what's needed to put debt sustainability in Italy back on the right track, uh, but also has helped to uh, squeeze spreads and actually yield levels in general to a level where you know, there there really isn't the need to to to, to have the you know, same kinds of concerns that perhaps we might have had in 2012 2000, 2013 because yield levels and this is something that's always worth uh worth repeating <laughs> i don't forget to talk, talk about it yield levels when they fall below uh, the level of trend growth in real terms um the natural tendency over the long term is for debt levels um to to fall and you know we're very much in that um in, in in that dynamic at the moment and i think you know it would take a very very significant shock to to, to get us out of there and i think markets understand that and so you know, overall i i think that people still look at italy as um you know, as reasonably you know, attractive way to, to pick up yield and you know, something I've listened to you repeat plenty this week, um, Imogen, is that uh, you know, there are potentially ratings upgrade risks for, for Italy that people perhaps don't have on their radar, but should. And also, you know, although one thing that we've been repeating and repeating is that um, investors should maybe increasingly look towards the US for ways to pick up yield, they can still get yield um, in a quite attractive way in in Italy. So um, if, you know, if they want to stay in euros, so you know, I think that the, those are two other considerations that um, you know, that really matter too. Okay, so still a kind of gradual grind tighter than we think in in um, Italian spreads to to German bonds. So on the topic of yield and and moving swiftly over to the ECB because that was the other kind of event that we've had this week. Um, it was a, a relatively uneventful meeting, I would say, not that anyone was expecting it to, to bring much. And, and we had big policy action in December. So now wasn't really the time to recalibrate policy again. But one of the clear focuses over the last few days and in, in the Q&A and the meeting today was around this idea of yield curve control and whether the ECB do or do not do that. Um, can you just update us on your latest thoughts around what, what we're thinking around yield curve control and, and whether it's something that the ECB do do or indeed might do in the future? Well, I think our basic thinking about this is that it's 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 kind of got onto the market agenda in, in, in quite an annoying way. I mean, you know, it's attempting to you know, more or less dismiss it as a bit of a, you know, just a, I guess a, an invented story. You know, we've been talking about it as a red herring, you know, something which, you know, in a quiet market, people kind of want to latch on to. I mean, you know, it's it's all good and well to you know try and find names for what's going on, and you know, particularly parallels with uh, what's happening in, in other markets. And I suppose that Japanification of Europe is something that you know people have been keen on for a long time, but. Now, although I think I think we counted, didn't we, four questions on the subject today, and you know, I think it was really put to bed the first time, and it wasn't even probably necessary the first time. The the second ones, looking you know, and, and third and fourth, all looking for clarification. Um, you know, just I mean, turned what was a pretty dry press conference into an utter waste of time, in my opinion. Um, you know, I mean, I think the conclusion is, yes, of course, of course, they're doing something that's like yield curve control. Do we need that label for it? No, obviously not. 
Um, you know, I think it's pretty clear that what they're doing is they, you know, in 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 this kind of, as Ms. Lagarde described it, the sort of holistic approach that they're taking to financial conditions. Effectively, what they're doing is they they have a scorecard that they're working towards, and they want, you know, and, and across the broadest range of indicators possible, they want to optimize financial conditions, um, you know, really to accompany the the recovery. And you know, they'll more or less do what they need to keep us on a sort of stable path there. So what does that mean for the PEP, which is obviously the other thing that people are trying to sort of draw out of this discussion? Uh, you know, and there are a few questions on that too, which also you know, I think were unnecessary. Now, what does it mean for that? Well, I think it's pretty obvious that what it means is that you know, they don't want to squeeze the market unnecessarily by just you know, filling quotas on a monthly or weekly basis. Uh, no. So if the market is on the right side for them, then they'll just do what they need to do to keep things going. And if not, then then they'll step step things up. You know, if um, if markets have a little bit of a wobble, you know, maybe there's some kind of event or they, you know, I mean, from time to time we've seen it, we've all seen it before. People aren't really sure about you know the ECB or another central bank's commitment, and they so they they put it to the test. And so you know, in that case, they can step up purchases. Fine, you know. So it's flexible in both ways. I don't think that's too hard to understand. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I, I guess the implication, well, as you say, for markets is that they don't want to squeeze them unnecessarily and therefore should be um, a good thing for our, our bearish bund call. Um, so with that, Theo, I'll switch gears and, and move over to the UK because I know you've got some interesting things to speak, particularly about the shape of the curve. I know that, you know, we've, one of our, our big calls in the year ahead was for steepness, both in the US and um, in Europe. But conversely, in the UK, there's already a very steep curve there and, and oddly at quite low levels of rates. So you're actually looking for the opposite, aren't you? Correct. And this is very well phrased, Imogen. So when you compare the UK curve to other curves, the interesting part is, 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 is the steepness that you have at a low level simply because the market price is in the possibility that at some point the front end of the curve will gap a lot lower. So the excitement across the investor base is really that while you may buy gills at minus 10 basis points, well, those gills may end up at the level where you have shots, for example, in Germany. So they, the investors look at that potential upside and they treat long positions as an option. Um, indeed, one of our calls is really that we push back uh, uh, on that. Uh, and, and I think that this is quite important. So negative rates are not something that you can get simply because you know, it's just the inflation number a bit weaker or growth was a bit softer or something like that. It's, it's obviously a very committal. It's a very significant decision to the extent that you signal that you want to move the effective lower bound of the bank rate a lot lower. Uh, it does have implications. So in that regard, we will get more light and more clarity on the 4th of February with the Bank of England um, monetary policy report. But what is interesting is that there seems to be a divide among uh, BOE policymakers. For example, Silvana Tendreiro, uh, she gave a speech, let's talk about negative rates. And as you can imagine, it was about negative rates and what the merits are of that measure. Um, and we can imagine also get Antliga being uh, to some extent supportive of lower rates. But it is very interesting that other members of the Bank of England have not validated this step. And more importantly, 
Governor Bailey this week when he was asked about lower rates and, and, and when he was asked about the need for additional stimulus, he mentioned that the UK economy has been adapting to COVID and is able to operate also with lockdowns and restrictions. So if I put all those points together, then we've got a solid case, uh, which actually is against against lower rates. Now, what does it mean? Well, it means that um, you may have some flattening of the curve, but that flattening uh, to be driven from the front end. This is actually something interesting because as things stand, the front end is relatively less volatile compared to the longer end of the curve. So we think that, uh, you know, if, if, if when we look at that shape, we think that relative to the current dynamics, the front end of the curve can underperform. Now, other things that are very important uh, looking forward is really the syndications and issuance. We are in a regime of positive net issuance in the market, and this is significant. So basically what is being issued by the government is a lot more than what is being bought by the Bank of England. And that does exert some steepening bias at the back end of the curve. So this is also uh, an important theme. We had this indication this week. We have a linkage indication most likely um, on the 9th of February. Again, subject to market conditions. But I think net deviation will be quite a key aspect. Now, in terms of, of, of signals and in terms of indicators that we closely track, one is inflation and inflation numbers this week. Uh, they were fairly decent. They could have uh, surprised to the downside, but they didn't. Uh, housing inflation was rock solid. Uh, we had a rebound across clothing and we had a rebound in travel. So there were several items that were on the stronger side. And also when we look at, for example, um, when we look at, for example, things such as, uh, you know, growth, growth was not that weak. So in terms of data, it looks pretty solid for the UK and there doesn't seem to be a need to signal and or deliver lower rates anytime soon. And that, as said, has got implications for the whole curve. So that's all for me to, this week. Uh, I wanted to keep it uh, brief uh, and, you know, provide yet quite um, some color. That was great. Thank you, Theo, and, and thank you, Giles and Blake, as well, for your thoughts this week. Uh, and thank you all for joining uh, another Bondcast. We'll be back next week and what will be another very interesting and exciting week in rates markets. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Bondcast. Please do subscribe to our channel to get future episodes and like it, as this will help others to find it. We also encourage you to follow us on social media to get all our latest content. Speak to you again soon.